Welcome to Work and Play, the award-winning podcast of Consangi, Brooks, Smith & Profit, where we discuss employment news and provide practical insights and tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Bassford wilson With me today is a new guest, one of my partners from Asheville, North Carolina, John Yarbrough. Welcome, John. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me. I look forward to speaking with you. I'm going to pull back the curtain for a moment here, John, and uh, share with our listeners that I think I first started working with you a solid 10 years ago, uh, very soon after I joined Constangi, because you had some awesome wage and hour cases in Chicago, and I was licensed in Illinois. And those cases gave me the opportunity to spend days or weeks in parts of Chicago that tourists don't usually visit, gathering affidavits uh, at all hours of the night and day. So, oh, the memories. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I remember that well. I, I, I love the fact that at least we could wear uh, uh, blue jeans and sweatshirts and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, fun times. Indeed. But your expertise extends far beyond wage and hour issues because today we're going to talk about something that has been on everyone's mind for several months now, COVID vaccines. <laughs> you are right. Let's, let's bring it on. Let's talk about it. So I'm going to start out with a big question, the one that I personally have heard the most over the last couple of months. Can your employer require that you get vaccinated? What do you think, John? Well, I think generally, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, an employer can require as a condition of employment uh, that an employee get a vaccination. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule. Uh, one exception being uh, if the employee has a medical condition uh, that would uh, be covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Another exception is for religious reasons under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, there is some argument out there, however, that an employer cannot uh, require an employee to get vaccinated uh, since the vaccines are currently under emergency use authorizations. I've had that debate online with some folks, uh, but the general consensus is that no, the emergency use authorization won't prohibit it, provided you tell the employees the consequences of not getting a vaccine and the options uh, to not getting a vaccine. Um, another consideration, though, we're obviously talk today mainly about federal laws since they're widespread in their application. But another issue, of course, would be to make sure to look at corresponding state laws to see if there's any state law that uh, prohibits an employer from mandating a vaccination. And, you know, sitting here in North Carolina today, we really have no state law that would prohibit an employer from mandating uh, a vaccination for a COVID shot. I like it. But let me back you up for a second. One thing that you mentioned was what happens if you have an employee who does not want the vaccine because of a sincerely held religious belief? Let's say you have a situation where an employee believes it's sinful to be vaccinated. How would you recommend employers handle that situation? <laughs> well, Susan, that, that presents an interesting question. You know, under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, obviously it protects uh, people from discrimination on the basis of their religion. 
But as you well know, there's no law book I can flip to that provides me with a checklist of acceptable religions. Uh, what title <laughs> that would be seven, handy. <laughs> it would be nice. We just go down and check that one's a religion. We're good. Uh, but it, it just doesn't work that way because under Title Seven, it's the employee's sincerely held religious, ethical, or moral belief. And the interesting thing about Title Seven and the case law behind it is they don't have to be right. In fact, many cases, uh, the employees are really wrong about some doctrinal belief. Uh, but if it's sincerely held, we have to deal with it as an employer. Um, so that leads to some interesting uh, circumstances uh, when dealing with uh, exceptions for vaccines. You can't, as an HR professional, go, well, I've never heard of that belief. <laughs> I'm not going to buy into that. You, you have to get a vaccine because that's one of the worst approaches you could take. Uh, with an employee. So you're going to have to explore that employee's uh, religious beliefs, even if you personally believe that their belief uh, is simply nonsensical. Interesting. So there is a reasonable uh, accommodation type discussion going on here, an interactive process almost, even though it's under a different statute. Yeah, there absolutely is an interactive process uh, under Title VII when we're dealing with religious accommodation requests. So you, you, you as an employer mandate a vaccine. Uh, the employee comes to you and says, I cannot do it because of my religious beliefs. You as the employer are going to need to explore that and see if you can accommodate that. You know, first, does the employee have um, a valid, uh, sincerely held uh, religious, ethical, or moral belief? Um, and if the employee does, is there a way to accommodate that employee's beliefs um, Uh, and uh, somehow address uh, their issue of not wanting uh, a COVID vaccination, while at the same time ensuring that uh, co-workers, customers, clients, patients, depending on the industry, are protected. And uh, so you do have to do that dance with an employee. That's a great summary, John. And here's another related point. COVID-19 is new, But the debate about vaccinations really isn't. We've seen this type of discussion before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the COVID uh, issues are very, very similar to flu shot issues. And uh, gosh, it was quite a few years ago, I believe, when it was the H1N1 uh, flu situation where the EEOC came out with guidance on vaccinations um, and uh, granting exceptions to employer-mandated policies for religious and and, uh, reasons and reasons that would uh, come within the Americans with Disabilities Act. There's been quite a bit of litigation in that area. Um, Boston Children's Hospital uh, had litigation over uh, flu shots. I've actually been involved in, let me count real quick, at least one, two, three three lawsuits and maybe six EEOC charges over mandatory flu vaccinations. And really the analysis uh, of uh, COVID vaccination requirements is is very similar to the analysis under uh, mandatory flu shot uh, policies. Hmm, Got it. And does this analysis um, related to mandatory shots change for employees who may have a pre-existing medical condition. For example, if an employee can prove that the COVID-19 vaccine might be dangerous for them, can their employer still require that they be vaccinated? 
Well, the answer there is, um, eh, it depends. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love uh, that answer. <laughs> yeah. HR professionals hate that. Uh, give me the bright line. You know, here's the actual test. Well, we can't always do that because when we're dealing with something that might be an accommodation issue under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, such as an employee coming forward and saying, look, I've got this medical condition and therefore I cannot uh, safely um, uh, receive a, a COVID vaccination, um, we have to do an analysis there. Uh, first off, do they actually have a medical condition uh, that would cause it for them to be dangerous? Do we have good information uh medical information uh, related to that. Secondly, um, what are our reasons for requiring uh, a mandatory vaccination? Are we frontline healthcare workers? Are we dealing with uh, employees in, say, uh, rest homes and continuing care retirement communities, which we know uh, that industry has been hit particularly hard by COVID. Um, and so we have to balance, can we accommodate this individual um, versus does it create an undue hardship for us uh, as an employer uh, versus would an unvaccinated, unvaccinated rather uh, employee, um, would they in effect be some sort of direct threat to the health and safety and welfare of others uh, within the workplace, including uh, maybe customers, uh, as I mentioned, patients, residents, things of that nature. And that all has to be looked at and addressed uh, by the employer uh, in conjunction with the employee and often in conjunction with the employee's healthcare provider. So when we're asking this question, we really need to do an analysis under Title VII, under the ADA, and under any applicable state law. Is that fair? That That is absolutely fair. You need to do the analysis. You need to gather appropriate information so that you can make a, a decision. And um, shameless plug, make sure you loop in your legal counsel <laughs> to help <laughs> you with uh, some of these issues because there can be some very uh, uh, close calls and some, some hard analysis needs to be done. Speaking of talking to your legal counsel, Here's another area, John, that I wanted to get your thoughts about. I did a panel on COVID-related questions with some other employment lawyers in the St. Louis area in February, and one of the topics that we covered was litigation related to COVID. I have personally seen COVID pop up in a couple of different situations thus far. I've seen workers' comp cases. I've seen it in allegations that an employee wasn't reasonably accommodated under the Americans with Disabilities Act for a COVID-related condition. I've also seen some wage and hour stuff. Have you seen any uh, litigation about COVID-19 yet? Well, we haven't seen the litigation yet, at least uh, here in North Carolina, but I am seeing uh, EEOC charges. Uh, I'm ah. even seeing unemployment claims uh, <laughs> in COVID scenarios. I've uh, recently dealt with um, uh, an employer that had both an unemployment claim and an EEOC charge in a situation where the employee actually was lying or we can be kind and say misrepresenting um, <laughs> the fact that uh, the employee actually was suffering from the various symptoms that are associated with COVID-19. Um, the employer had the, the usual check-ins that many of us are dealing with on a daily basis, temperature, uh, cough, breathing issues, things of that nature. 
um, this uh, employee was not truthful with uh, her uh, symptoms, uh, later fessed up to it, and then in fact tested positive uh, for COVID-19. And this was a difficult situation because she was working in a continuing care retirement community. So we're seeing that type of thing where employees are uh, covering up uh, their symptoms to come into work uh, sick. And uh, they're then being terminated and they're arguing, well, I was terminated because of COVID. And the employer's position, of course, is no, we were asking you questions you did not tell us the truth uh, with uh, your answers. And that's, you know, it's tantamount to falsifying a company document. You're shocking me here, John. Are you telling me sometimes employees lie? <laughs> Never. <laughs> At <sighs> least according to the employee. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, and you know what? You told me earlier that you're also hearing some issues related to pregnant employees. What does that look like? Well, yeah, uh, the issues that I've been getting with respect to pregnant employees are employees seeking some sort of accommodation uh, so that they don't actually have to work in areas where they may have higher exposure to uh, COVID. Um, in fact, uh, several of these have been in the healthcare arena involving not only doctors, but nurses, trainers, and things of that sort, whose job is to actually work with patients. You know, an essential function of uh, a physician or a nurse is to work with the patient. Now, while there has certainly been a rise of telemedicine, and maybe that could be an accommodation uh, to a pregnant employee in some circumstances, in these particular circumstances, uh, you simply could not accommodate the pregnant employee uh, by allowing uh, the employee to, to work from home because uh, medicine in many cases, uh, at least what I was dealing with, is, is hands-on with the patient uh, every day. And so we're seeing those types of uh, requests from pregnant employees not to be exposed to COVID. Haven't yet had any questions about um, mandatory policies, uh, vaccination policies and their effect on pregnant employees. Uh, the CDC uh, right now has uh, data out that's showing that there's no evidence that the antibodies in the vaccine have any effect on pregnancy, but I have no doubts that we will get questions about uh, pregnant employees and mandatory uh, COVID vaccination policies. That seems like a good bet to me as well. Just, just wait for it, right? <laughs> yep. Just wait for it. It's coming. So, John, uh, my longtime listeners know that I have a few handy-dandy soapboxes, and I, I can't let an episode go by without hopping up on at least one of them. So if you would, let's take a minute to talk about good communication between an employer and an employee, specifically how to communicate with employees about vaccines. I personally think open, clear communication is critical, especially when it's a subject like this where there are so many differing opinions and frankly, so much misinformation out there. What do you recommend in this vein? Oh, I 
I agree. You've got to communicate with your employees about your policy. If you're going with a mandatory policy, or even if you're just strongly encouraging or otherwise incentivizing employees to get uh, a vaccination, but you have to communicate early and you have to communicate with them often. If you are setting up a mandatory vaccination policy, you do need to set a deadline by which the employees should either submit exemption requests or otherwise be vaccinated. Because if you don't set a deadline, uh, you're basically going to have a voluntary compliance policy in the first place. And frankly, uh, studies show, at least with respect to flu policies uh, that are mandatory in the healthcare arena, that when the policy is mandatory, you have around a 94 to 96% compliance rate. When the policies are not mandatory, the rates drop substantially, uh, in some cases into the 40% mark. Uh, So you have to communicate with your employees. You have to let them know uh, why you are uh, requiring or strongly encouraging uh, the COVID vaccination. You have to let them know options uh, to avoid that. For example, Title VII issues, ADA issues. Um, You have to set deadlines and frankly, keep proof that you've communicated with the employees because frankly, in one of the the, uh, flu shot uh, litigation cases I had, I was able to show memo after memo, email after email, company publication after company publication about the exemption process and about the deadlines. Amazingly, however, uh, the witnesses somehow missed uh, this uh, communication. The the, the plaintiffs rather missed the communications, but nevertheless, the employer had uh, communicated early and often and clearly. I love a good document. I particularly love if you have 10 of the same document that have been thoroughly distributed to the employees. Absolutely. So, John, what do you do if you, um, for example, have a situation where an employee tells you he doesn't want the vaccine because he doesn't wish to be microchipped? Oh, goodness, Susan, there is so much misinformation out there. You know, the one thing about the Internet is you can find out a little bit of everything and a lot of nothing. (laughs) Um, And sometimes people have a hard time discerning what the latter is from the former. Uh, You know, we've seen um, people saying they don't want the vaccine because somehow Bill Gates is going to. Uh, track them. Um, you know, frankly, in the flu shot litigation, I was seeing flu shot exemptions where um, employees were submitting exemption requests talking about uh, the Nuremberg uh, Code, uh, talking about house bills, uh, and giving a bill number, talking about various aspects of this, that, or whatever. And the reality is, None of it was true. And in fact, when I pressed one of these uh, plaintiffs at his deposition about his beliefs uh, about uh, uh, the Nuremberg Code applying to vaccines and uh, various house bills and things of that nature, he couldn't identify a single thing. So there, unfortunately, is so much nonsense out there. Um, What I would encourage uh, employers to do, frankly, is just don't rely on the internet. I, I joke that the the internet, Google has given out more law degrees than the history of law schools ever. And, and while, you know, Google is a great thing, um, seek the advice of 
a lawyer. <laughs> get competent legal advice. Get competent medical advice. Uh, don't just rely on what you've uh, uh, found out in a five-minute uh, internet search and, and don't necessarily believe everything you read. Go and find the source material. Take a look at that. I think that's all great advice. And it brings us to the million-dollar question. Should organizations require employees to be vaccinated in order to keep their employees, vendors, and communities safe? How would you recommend an organization go about making this very challenging and important decision? And for part three of the question, anecdotally, I'm personally seeing most of my clients encourage rather than require vaccines. Um, And are you seeing that as a common approach also? Well, those are great questions. And really the answer uh, has to do in large part, uh, what industry are you in? And what are your employees doing? Are they facing the public? What I'm seeing is that uh, for employers who are in healthcare, for employers who are in rest homes, continuing care, Uh, communities for employers who are dealing with really kind of a fragile public, so to speak. Uh, They're considering very strongly, and in fact, some cases mandating uh, COVID vaccinations for their employees because the risk of transmission uh, is huge. Um, There are studies out there that show using flu, for example, that the transmission of flu within a hospital is not from the patient to the caregiver, it's from the caregiver to the patient. And so extrapolating from that, it's very important for healthcare workers, uh, in my viewpoint, uh, to be vaccinated. And employers in that field uh, are really thinking about requiring such. Now, in other businesses that are maybe public-facing, but are not necessarily healthcare or retirement type businesses, I think you should still give strong consideration to mandating vaccinations. Um, and, you know, frankly, you have to consider the risks, the risks to your employees, uh, the risks to the public, and do what's right for your business, but do so after seeking competent legal advice. There is um, a movement in many states to enact immunity statutes. Uh, North Carolina has one. And what that statute does is it basically protects an employer who engages in reasonably prudent steps to prevent uh, their employees or third parties uh, from getting COVID through transmission at the place of business. And um, while having a policy uh, mandating COVID vaccinations may not be uh, a requirement of a reasonably prudent employer, I think it's something that a reasonably prudent employer should give serious consideration to. Uh, Maybe they decide to incentivize uh, employees in some way, or maybe they simply say, do it yourself. Um, It's a personal decision. We're not going to otherwise encourage or mandate it. But If they go that route, I would make sure that they're following as best they can other guidances such as social distancing, masking, and things of that nature so they can take advantage of the immunity statute should, uh, heaven forbid, they wind up facing some sort of COVID-related lawsuit. Obviously, this is a complex 
issue. And I want to echo your advice that employers, companies who are making this decision should reach out to credible professional uh, advisors to help them make this decision and and help them move forward. When in doubt, call your lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. And John, one of our traditions on work and play is ending the episode with something funny or ludicrous, something from the files of you can't make this stuff up. And for today's finale, I think it's got to be the cat video. Um, I'm sure you saw it, but for anyone listening who missed it, a lawyer in Texas appeared for a hearing via Zoom, as so, so many of us have over the last 12 months. However, he apparently forgot how to turn off the cat filter on Zoom. So you have these two older gentlemen and a speaking cat appearing for this hearing. And the judge was like, uh, I think think you forgot to turn off the filter, sir. And the lawyer replies, I'm here live. I'm not a cat. (laughs) Because that needed to be clarified. The video obviously went viral and gave lawyers and non-lawyers alike a much needed laugh. Um, It was fabulous. But I have to tell you, I have questions. I have lingering (laughs) questions. Oh, I I do too, Susan. That was so funny. And I I tell you, that's that's exhibit A as to why the North Carolina State Bar, as part of our continuing legal education, is now requiring you to get a technology credit (laughs) for for reasons like that. (laughs) That is fabulous. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, John. Oh, thank you, Susan. Anytime. Before we sign off, I want to make my typical request of our listeners. If you like this podcast, then please let us know. Please follow us, rate us, and leave a written review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts so that other people who are interested in employment law can find us. We hope you tune in again next month for a new episode.